Hello and welcome to another exciting installment of Open Swim. Here with your hosts, Hallie Bram Kogelshots, Eric Kogelshots, Brian Andrew Jasinski, Alex Knight, Jennifer Cho Sala. Thanks for being with us today. We're really excited about this conversation because it has to do with innovation coming off the heels of the recent CES or Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, Nevada which just happened this past month from January 9th through 12th. So according to their website, they build themselves as the global stage for innovation. And for the past 50 years, that's really what they've been. A lot of exciting products over the years have debuted at CES. So we're going to talk a little bit today about the great, the good, and the maybe not so great things that we saw coming off of the show and some things that gave us reason to be excited for 2018. Why don't we start with you, Alex? What were some of the things that you saw coming out of CES that really got you excited, either trends or specific products, things that you're really looking forward to? One of the most exciting things that I saw was... Um, a product being able to use your phone as your laptop. And I believe it was a company called Razer. And so they have this phone that serves as your phone and as your laptop. And so you can put it into your, or into a laptop and you can put it into the laptop where your trackpad would normally go and use the phone as the trackpad. And then it basically installs the, the things that are on your phone into the laptop and it and it's portrays the things on your phone into onto the bigger screen. So instead of having to carry around a laptop, you can just carry around your phone and then insert it into another laptop. So in concept, that's really cool. But why does it matter to your life? I think it allows things to be even more portable than what they are now. But in the broader scheme of things, I think that this um, connects more and more devices together. And really, as another trend actually is it leads to the Internet of Things and making that even more accessible. So... Connecting all your devices at home, like your phone, laptop, your refrigerator, your toaster, and keeping them all in sync is part of what the Internet of Things is and to make them all integrated. So to me, one of the things I think is really cool about that is that I remember when I first started working and you were so tied to your device. I had a laptop. And so what that meant is that I basically couldn't go anywhere without my laptop. So I had laptop at work. I had to lug it home with me. It was this big, you know, kind of like original generation. I can't even remember what model it was. MacBook. It was the white one. I'm sure everybody has seen this. But I remember lugging it with my person anywhere I had to go. And I also had to be connected to internet. I had to plug it in. I couldn't have, you know, it was before Wi-Fi. And so what this meant was like, if I was waiting for a file to send to a client, as an example, I wasn't able to go anywhere. I wasn't able to do anything. Now, obviously, with smartphones, that means that, you know, you're a lot less encumbered. And I think with these types of innovations, what it means is that it's going to free you up to do work wherever you need to do it. So you can, you know, be less confined to one singular device. And really, if you're on the go and you have to plug in somewhere for work, it means that you can just kind of, you know, insert your phone into a machine, have your, you know, whatever apps all there. So if you have to, you know, modify something in, let's say, Photoshop, for example, it's all connected through your phone. It's not specific to your computer. So it just gives you a lot more freedom, I would think, wouldn't you say? Because of this, people are going to be working from home a lot more and working wherever they are a lot more than they already do. We're all connected with our smartphones now and checking emails all the time and finding people constantly because of we're so connected already. And that's just extends that even more and it's interesting too if you think about the continuum so computers start as these gigantic machines and rooms and then it went there to the personal computer so that served as the, the brain where all of your files were saved and then from there people start to save it more in servers and then after that the cloud the creation of the cloud and having your files accessible from any device and then 
with the dawn of mobile, it was that you had it with you wherever you went. And that has been the focus for everyone, especially Facebook and Google. As, as we look at how the internet is being introduced to different countries, they focus on mobile as a solution. So this proposes the concept of mobile being the brain of your computer experience and, and then plugging it into any of your other devices versus having a cloud solution necessarily. I mean, you could have a cloud solution here and it would work just fine, but this is physically making the mobile device the brain. What started to happen with CES over the years is that when you see laptops, what they were touting as innovative was it's sleeker, it's thinner, it's faster, the resolution is better. And those things just started to feel not as important. It's sort of expected that those things are handled. And what's exciting about Razer's Project Linda is that they're actually giving a new innovation. And others have tried this, but this seems like the one that's most likely to succeed for a variety of reasons. And quite honestly, is going to start to give um, you know, producers like Apple are run for their money. I think people really want this type of unencumbrance from their devices and Project Linda is going to be able to give it to them if they bring it to market pretty soon. And I don't know how they can use the word Razer for this brand because <laughs> I immediately thought of Motorola Razer and that's that's one of the most popular mobile devices in modern history. <laughs> So what about you, Jen? What were you saying that was making you excited for the future to come? There were three um, products that I found intriguing and interesting that I possibly would like to have in my life. One is because I hate to fold laundry. There's this product called Foldmate, and it's this huge machine, and it can neatly fold 20 to 40 items in less than five minutes, which is pretty cool because it's like the one household chore that I absolutely hate to do. Now if they can only get that machine to actually put the clothes away in the drawers, exactly. that would solve my pain point as well. Totally. <laughs> the bad thing is it's the size of a photocopier, so not quite aesthetically pleasing to put in your house. And it's not going to go on sale until 2019. So Jen, you're going to be folding for... I'll be folding. Yeah, and, and it's $1,000. So I'll, I'll be folding for a little. A little <laughs> um, the second one is because I have a hard time falling asleep. It's a product called the Somnox. It's like this little pillow, looks like a bean, and you you kind of like hug it when you go to bed. And it, it will do all kinds of weird things like play lullabies for you. It'll play white noise. It'll even play audiobooks for you to help you fall asleep. And I already hug a pillow before I go to bed every night. And I guess it's analogous to, like, my kids snuggling their lovey. And um, I Is don't it named Carlos? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Carlos. If I ever get the Somnox, yeah, he's never going to get any snuggles He's again. being replaced. I know. He's being replaced <laughs> by a robot. And then the third item is um, because I have so few pictures of my kids and me, like, in a picture, I think every mom can commiserate. It's an air selfie drone. I mean, it's like taking selfies to the next step, which which is kind of funny, I think. But it's basically a phone case that turns into a drone. So you basically toss it into the air and you can start taking pictures. And so just as a mom, I would love it. Like go to the park, throw that thing up in the air, take pictures of me playing with my kids. That might be kind of fun. I have pictures of my kids. You would never know they had a mother. <laughs> so... Isn't that the greatest joy to see photos of your family that you've never seen before? Because you remember that moment, but you never saw that photo. So it's a slightly different perspective. So it makes you think about that moment in a different way. It's mm -hmm. like a photographer that yeah. follows you around and you don't know it's there and it's really tiny and you throw it up into the air and you're just yeah. going to be like a Kardashian. You're going to have uh, this like <laughs> private. Yeah, private I could see the air selfie drone going, going into a whole other direction. That's totally. just awful. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be coasting. Stay in my home.
Brian, what about you? What were some of the things that you were you were seeing and liking? Well, personally, as you know, I love cooking and I love um, anything that has to do with the epicurial world. Uh, personally, my my version of a Mac store is going into a Williams Sonoma. <laughs> so I was really intrigued with some of the things that were coming out around the experience of kitchens and cooking. In particular, the past few years have brought us, you know, as with any section of the home, uh, a connectivity to your apps and appliances communicating. But what's really fascinating is now there are, as they say on the spoon, a kitchen that is aware of the food inside the fridge, one where appliances coordinate to each other and help organize the evening or week's meal in one with a variety of intelligence sensors and interfaces that make your life easier. So I just think it's fascinating that we've gone from thermostats or refrigerators or stoves that you can preheat and and um, change temperature on remotely, but now you actually have appliances that are doing thinking for you. It's so interesting to me that you picked up on that because this was an area where my response to this was in my kitchen, because I too love to cook, my kitchen is sort of my sacred space. And, you know, while I do sometimes bring my phone or my, my iPad in there to look up recipes or something like that, or if I'm really doing a lot of, uh, you know, as they say in the Navy, KP duty and chopping onions for, you know, however long, you know, sometimes I'll throw a show on my iPad or something. Mm-hmm. You know, beyond that, I have um, sort of a, a desire to disconnect to the kitchen disconnect in the kitchen and let that be my therapy um i worry about losing the creativity of being in the kitchen but it sounds like especially from you being such a creative mind Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're looking at this as a way to maybe you know fuel your creative i think so i think so because i i think like anybody you get into the rut of you know you feel like you're making the same things over and over so it's i just feel like it's an evolution of blue apron or fresh fork or any of those services that are providing the ingredients for you. Uh, I think this is an opportunity of presenting a solution to the ingredients you already have. Um, I, but I, I will agree with you. I, you know, I definitely thrive on the creativity and that's something I do a lot is, okay, what can I make out of what I have? So I just like the idea of maybe that little bit of guidance, you know, and a little bit of a introduction to what the potential could be. Now I'll be really excited if they make a fridge that will self clean itself. That is something I would sign up for. <laughs> they don't be, already? I wonder. It might wonder. be our get, get rich quick scheme. I don't know. Maybe it does exist. <laughs> Eric, what about you? What were some things that you saw? So I saw three things that really intrigued my curiosity. And they're all around the idea of neuroscience and technology, the combination of the two. The first is Nissan, and they introduced this R&D project called Nissan Intelligent Mobility. And this neural project, they call it the Brain to Vehicle, or BV2, uses an EEG headset, and it tracks those faint electrical signals that you have in your brain, and it reads your mind to help you drive. And this combination of the headset with the autonomous vehicle combined gives you this different layer. It's the brain that will help you make decisions in the vehicle intuitively. And then there's the other aspect of it, with the, which is the autonomous vehicle, which can layer on the real-time maps. It can layer on sensors so it knows what's in the environment. So if you think about it, imagine a child crossing the road. The concern is with autonomous vehicles that your vehicle might just hit them. But now if you add in this layer 
of the EEG headset. It introduces intuitive thinking so that it can swerve or stop before it hits the child. Plus, if you layer on autonomous um, driving systems, it can bring in so many different data sets, like when kids get out of school, where are the crosswalks, what day of the week is it? School even in session. So if you combine the two, it makes autonomous vehicles much safer. So I really like this concept. If you think about it, it's just like autocorrect for your iPhone, but it's for your vehicle, except it's at 55 miles an hour. The other concept that I saw that was really interesting was from Modius Health. So it's, again, a similar technology that leverages neurotech. The difference is here with this device, it's an EEG headset that tracks the same electrical currents in your brain and it stimulates them to help you try to lose weight so it, it would stop you from eating those things that you might not want to eat it stimulates your brain to make you think that you're not hungry so you don't eat too much i find this extremely creepy it just doesn't seem sustainable it's like if you're dependent on a headset essentially to tell you not to eat that snack then what happens when you take off the headset you, you get stuck into this pattern of being dependent on technology and i think that's where technologies become less successful i think a perfect example is people were really big fans of nike plus um this was something that everyone was dependent on you know and, and when they had the chip or they had the wristband or whatever when they stopped supporting that technology it was a bummer because people trained with that and then they had to develop new behaviors and you know people are adaptable but that's when technology starts to kind of let you down rather than improve your life. And so I'm, o I'm always personally weary of being phased out of something that I love. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, I, I don't like technologies that make you so dependent on them that you can't develop the behaviors that you want without them. And that's why the Nissan example is really cool because it's augmented behavior versus Modi's behavior, which is replacing the behavior that you innately would exhibit. So I don't like that one as much, but the, the third one that I saw was the Rhythm Dream. And this one is really cool because it was actually designed by the industrial designer, uh, Yves Bahar. And it's, so it's beautiful looking. Again, it's another headset. So again, using the EEG headset to monitor your brain activity. This one's different because it's about sleep and it sends different sound stimulations to affect your brain. And then that's all aggregated into a mobile application so you can see the best time to sleep and improve your sleep overall. So that one's very different. Um, again, it gives you the information to empower your life versus change your behavior. So you have the choice of deciding which path you want to go versus the modus example that forces you to act in a different way. And then again, Nissan, which guides you uh, to the right place you want to go physically through driving. Uh, so, th yeah, those three examples really grab my attention as far as using neurotechnology. That's the difference, as you just explained with your three examples, the first and the third versus the second, is technology should provide a roadmap, not a directory, if yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and I do think a lot of technology is replacing, uh, when, actually, when you were first presenting the Nissan example, I was like, is this hurting the user and our ability to think and react and make decisions like are we going to are we you know this is the age-old question are we getting to a place of complacency or even laziness where oh technology is going to do that for us and i do think that's the difference between those that first example that you shared versus the second is that it's more providing you the tools and the ability to enhance your interactivity and your decision making versus the second which does seem to me to become more of a authority figure in terms of your behavior. It's, it's almost telling you what to do rather than su suggesting or guiding your actions. What I like about that too is the idea that technology should empower 
the human and machine to be in the same wavelength. And if they are not, if one is dominant, then the results are not going to be ideal. So if it's in sync and they're working together, the outcome should be much better. And actually, hopefully, the, the human is more in control, but... And it's also the idea that technology is not replacing, it's enhancing. I think that's also... Yeah. Like, so many people look at technology as, it will now do this for me. It will now solve this for me. And I think that's where it gets dangerous and in, in terms of the idea of that lack of loss of humanity and, and of um, the ability to make decisions. Don't you know what I'm suffering from? So I actually saw four major trends come out of the products that were most interesting to me. One of them had to do with tactility and that humanness and trying to make technology more human. As soon as I got my very first iPhone, one of the things I missed about my previous devices is I missed my like tactile QWERTY keyboard. And what Dell is doing with their new laptop is they're actually making their keyboard more tactile. The Maglev keyboard, it actually works with magnets that hold the keys in place. So it gives you more of that clickier feeling when you're typing. And that gives you a greater connection to your work, you know, particularly for someone like me who does a lot of writing. I think that, you know, it makes you feel like there's something tangible to your work in a space where that's largely digital. So trying to put more of the human and the connection back in tech is one of the trends that I saw. Another thing that I saw was a lot of multitasking tech. And, you know, an example of this are the braggy earphones. I don't know if any of you came across that in your in your research, but one of the things I love about this product is that it's actually an in-ear headphone that not just entertains you, but is also diagnostic. So it can look at issues with hearing and it can modify, you know, so that you're able to hear more with the world around you. It can also um, work on tinnitus issues so that ringing in your ear, people that have chronic tinnitus, it can help you to filter that out. So you can kind of think of it as a hearing aid on steroids. So it's able to deliver sound to you and it's also able to influence the way that your hearing works with the rest of the world. And so this idea of multitasking is something that certainly happens in a product like that. And there were other products that were introduced in the diagnostic tech space that I'm really looking forward to. Another thing that was coming up a lot was this idea of breaking the box. So whether it's with Razor's Project Linda, as Alex highlighted, or even, you know, the most widely reported product, you know, that I that I saw coming out of CES, the Samsung wall, you know, display. And for those of you that aren't familiar, the wall display is this modular LED technology where instead of buying a kind of cut and dry TV monitor, as you know, as you know, the product category has always operated that way. You know, you go into the store, you look for the size, and you put that on your wall. Um, well, it was, you know, it was on the floor, it was a piece of furniture, and now it's on your wall. Now, what Samsung is doing is actually allowing you to kind of um, take the same approach that flooring companies have used for the last few years, where you can snap together panels and you can make the screen fit the size and shape of your wall. So, giving the user a lot more control around the screen and how it works within the home. So, both Razor's Project Linda and Samsung's The Wall give the consumer a lot more flexibility in how they want to interact with their technology, whether it's how they want to interact in space or how they want to interact in terms of where data is stored. It's giving people a lot more control and it's not boxing you into having one solution. And then the last category is something that we've been watching for a few years, but this idea of competition and connection. So one of the products that I really loved last year was the Peloton bike. And part of what I love about this as a fitness junkie is it gives you a way to 
feel less alone when you're working out in a solitary environment. I think that's one of the things that makes working out, you know, in your own home less successful because people get really excited about a piece of equipment. And then over time, that thing becomes a coat rack and you're just like (laughs) hanging your dirty clothes over it, basically. And for me, you know, I've always used my iPad when I'm on my treadmill at home and I watch a show and it's great. But then like you get to the end of that binge watching experience and you're like, what am I going to do now? I love the idea that you can be a part of a class in your own home. And the bike, you know, was always something that was interesting to me. And although I love to bike, I don't, biking is not my preferred method of working out. So it was never something that I could really see myself using in my home. Well, this year at CES, Peloton introduced their tread. So their brand new treadmill. And in addition to being able to run or walk on the treadmill, there are classes that you can participate in. There's also a pad so that it will take you through CrossFit exercises, other types of classes with weights and um, and also on the treadmill. And so it'll put you through the paces quite literally in a competitive setting. So for me, Eric, put it on my wish list for Hanukkah oh, next year. I'd really love a Peloton tread. <laughs> For me, you know, I saw that as not just a great innovation, but also a way um, to really fuel not just the fitness experience, but allow technology to be an enabler of connection to other people in the way that people say social media can behave. I saw this as a true expression of letting people compete and better themselves um, in an environment that wasn't um, solitary. You know, it's a a digital social experience. So those are some of the things that trend-wise were exciting. Um, I think that we've highlighted a lot of the um, important innovations coming out of CES. But of course, for those of you listening, if there were things that you saw that you felt we didn't cover or things that were really getting you jazzed about what's coming, we'd love to hear from you. And certainly feel free to comment or email us at openswim at sharkaminnow.com. This week I have a fun tech-related bigger boat, and it goes to, and actually, I, this is really something that Alex, you know, deserves credit for, but my bigger boat goes to HQ. It's mine. <laughs> it can't be yours, because it's <laughs> mine. Well, I have mine all written out on paper. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? This week Alex and I have a shared bigger boat, and it goes to Gosh, HQ. Oh. And I'll let Alex do his bigger boat first because now he's feeling like I stole his bigger boat. What is your bigger boat, Alex? Alex always has to share. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the worst. (laughs) Um, So this episode of my bigger boat goes to HQ Trivia. If you haven't heard about it, HQ is a live trivia game show on your phone. Players have to answer 12 questions, and if they do, they receive a cash prize or split the prize with others that also answered 12 correct questions. The show airs on weekdays at 3 p.m. and 9 p.m. and on weekends at 9 p.m. I think that this is a really cool idea because it forces people to pay attention and be engaged with the app for about 15 minutes. And I think that uh, TV shows and broadcast companies will start to mirror what HQ has done and make their audiences have to interact with what they're watching on TV. And for those wondering, the best I've done is question eight. 
What I think is really neat about HQ is that, as Alex mentioned, it forces you to engage with this for about 15 minutes. You are not able to multitask while you're doing it. So you you have a captive audience that are having a shared experience. And I personally love trivia and game shows. So I think it's really fun. It's a little bit of a throwback. Um, and, you know, it's a good break for the work day. So, you know, if you guys are looking for us at 3 o'clock, at least you know where Alex and I will be. Oh, man. And, and Hallie, what's the best you've done? Don't rub it in. <laughs> Question four, everyone. Question no, four. it was question six. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> My bigger boat dovetails in quite nicely with what Hallie was just talking about with the cycling aspect of CES. This is an article that I found on CNET.com, and it is by Joan Salzman, and she gets my bigger boat because, as her title says, she biked Vegas during CES and lived to tell the tale. She says that she was on a mission to find the latest and greatest bike tech at CES, and what better way to do it by dodging the Vegas gridlock on two wheels. So she's a New Yorker. She regularly cycles through the city on her bike, but when she informed her friends and her editor that she wanted to travel CES on bicycle, everybody looked at her and said that she was absolutely insane because of the gridlock and the streets of Vegas in general. But we are talking about a show that covers roughly a three-mile stretch of hotels and convention centers, and the attendance of CES in 2017 was over 184,000 people. So I highly recommend you check this out on CNET.com. It's a great testimonial and the adventures, but and on top of all that, she also highlights some of the great new technology that is available in the cycling world. My breaker boat goes to the culture editor at Jezebel, Julianne Escobedo Shepard. She wrote um, a really smart piece this week called Babe, What Are You Doing? It's her reaction to the Aziz Ansari Grace controversy that was published in Babe uh, this past week. And just Julianne's reporting and her eloquence and um, her sharp observations was very enjoyable to read and really reflected how I feel about this, this whole controversy. I think your bigger boat, Jen, speaks to what we were saying with technology, the fact that it is not meant to disable, but meant to elevate. It seems like the tone of that article was not meant to capitalize on the, not only the scandal, but the unfortunate situation or accusations, but more to provoke conversation around what is this growing controversy and this what I think is a very important movement of enlightenment and shining a light on a very long overdue exposure of bad behavior. Definitely. I feel like the technology piece that's tied in is the power of a platform. And when you have a publication, any publication that's on online, it has the power of a voice. And uh, I think that Julianne succinctly described why Babe missed an opportunity to use their power in a positive way to engage conversation, not in a selfish act, but to to start meaningful conversations with. This episode, my bigger boat goes out to my favorite scientist, Dr. Daniel Stolzenberg who is the assistant professor in the Department of Psychology at University of California, Davis. Danielle and I met each other in Boston, and we were actually in a band together. She um, was a neuroscientist at Boston College at the time, and I was working at a marketing firm in Boston called Modernista. And often after band practice, we would talk about her 
discipline of neuroscience and my background in marketing. And that led to us speaking at South by Southwest about neuromarketing. And today, as we talk about the trends at CES and the topic that I discussed on focusing on neurotechnology, it reminds me of those great conversations I had with Danielle. May I add a, I don't know if this would be a sidecar or a tugboat to our bigger boat? <laughs> tugboat. Today's tugboat goes to Open Swim. I would like to wish it a happy birthday. It is one year old this episode. That deserves a woo woo. Woo <laughs> woo. This episode of Open Swim is in support of our friends at MIT Solve, a community of leaders and changemakers committed to partnering together to pilot and implement solutions for the world's most pressing challenges through open innovation, technology, and partnership. Learn more at solve.mit.edu. Open Swim is brought to you by Shark and Minnow on the web at sharkandminnow.com. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at sharkandminnow. Technical support and audio production by Eugene Bueller. HR oversight by Marsha Ciccone. Fashion policing by Felicia Winfrey.